I was never in the hospital very long. I think I had the actual tonsillectomy where they took the tonsil out. And later on in the initial cancer that I had, they also found about six months later that I had some cancerous uh, lymph nodes in the side of my neck. So I had a surgery that were basically where they cut my throat from my ear to my Adam's apple and took out those, those lymph nodes. Uh, and I was in a hospital for a couple of days for that. Um, and that, that was uh, a lot of time that I spent. During that time, I spent all those kind of quiet times, just really uh, kind of trying to figure out where I was going to end up and, and talking to God and trusting in God that he was going to get me through it. About 15 years ago, I got a phone call from my mom telling me that my father had cancer. Immediately, my life flashed before me, and I started crying and thinking about all that my father had done for me ever since I was a little kid, playing baseball, basketball, track, and whatever sport was in season, that's what he did with me. would come home, not even get his work clothes off, and take me right outside and play. And I started thinking about that and how much he did that for me, because whenever you hear the word cancer, you automatically go to a place where that person's gonna die. And I bet you all of us know someone who has had cancer, and most of us probably know someone who died of cancer. And even though most of us know someone who has had cancer, I bet you 100% of us know someone who has spiritual cancer. Spiritual cancer is sin. See, physical cancer is when your cells and your body grows outside the rules that God set up for it. Bone cells have certain rules of how they're supposed to grow and function. Bone cancer is when those cells break those rules. Uh, liver, your liver cells have certain rules of how they're supposed to grow and function. And liver cancer is when those cells break those rules. In the same way, God has set up rules and guidelines for us to live, how we're supposed to treat each other, how we're supposed to love Him, how we're supposed to forgive. And spiritual cancer or sin is when we do what's right in our own eyes, when we start making up our own rules. I want to read something to you because uh, the Bible outlines spiritual cancer to us. It says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, I say then, if you walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh, your desires, your ego, your pride, lust against the Spirit. Lust means that you have a strong desire to do something, a strong desire to have something that doesn't belong to you. So it says the flesh, our own ego, our pride, our selfish desires, lust against the Spirit. In other words, it desires contrary to what the Spirit of God desires for you. And the Spirit against the flesh. These two are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Basically, our desires are at war with the Spirit of God. Our spiritual cancers want to do what it wants to do instead of what God wants us to do. Every single one of us has spiritual cancer. Every single one of us has a terminal disease called sin, and it's gonna kill us. About Three years ago, I was diagnosed with throat cancer. I remember being here at home watching TV and, and the doctor calling me and, and I picked up the phone and I, he said, Tom, he said, it's confirmed you do have throat cancer and we're gonna have to go ahead and do uh, a treatment on that. And 
I said, okay, what do we do? Where do we go? And so he explained that there was going to be a meeting with the oncologist and they were going to set up a treatment plan. And I remember hanging up the phone and, and just uh, kind of went back to watching TV and I, and I thought, about five or ten minutes later, I thought, you know, this guy just told you you have cancer. And it didn't seem to have an impact on me at all. I, I wasn't anxious about it. I, at that point in my life, I was totally uh, trusting in God that whatever his plan was for me, uh, that I was ready to follow that plan. I didn't feel like he was finished with me here on earth, but if he was, it was okay. We're gonna do 35 treatments. 35? Yeah. I thought you said 32. Well, we were gonna do 33, but um, uh, the way we, we worked out your planning, it'll okay. be a little bit easier on you. And the, the last two weeks, we'll just be focused in on the, on the tonsil gotcha. area only. Okay. So that'll, that'll be okay. Okay. How's your taste? There's nothing. I can't taste it. You can't taste anything. anything. And your weight was good. Huh? No, I just had a drop. Yeah, yeah, be careful. Because <clears throat> we'll have to put a peg tube in if you lose too much. You know. Okay, well, it's, 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 uh, it's like work. Now, it's, it's really your taste work. isn't that good. You're tired and you don't have an appetite, and you just have to know what you need to eat yeah. uh, on a daily basis to, to get yeah. to keep your weight up. Mr. Dahl is currently receiving his treatment on his head and neck area, and this is a re this is what we consider one of our hardest treatments because, um, as what we do is we give this treatment every day and it accumulates. So every day he gets some, and it, it accumulates daily. And as we go along, a few weeks down the line, he's probably going to start getting some side effects: um, skin irritation and thickening of the mucus, heart. Uh, it'll become harder to swallow. After he receives treatment, even two weeks after the treatment's over, the effects of radiation is still within him. And so this is gonna be a long-term uh, thing that he battles and faces because his body knows that he got all this treatment and it'll never forget. And so he will constantly uh, have to battle some of those uh, side effects that, that, that uh, he may get. During that process of the radiation treatments and, and, and going through the, the cancer treatments, I, I never really experienced any kind of doubt. I wasn't anxious about anything. I just knew that wherever God was leading uh, and what was in his plan for me was where I was gonna go and I was good with it. And if I died from that, then that was okay. And if I lived, which was my, my ultimate choice, my, what I really would like to do was stick around, that was okay too. Uh, and with Myra, my wife, uh, uh, we both were on the same page as far as how we were going to handle this. We were going to make sure that we we're going to keep in touch with God and let our friends know that what we were going through and sharing what we uh, were experiencing. And that uh, we weren't going to let it change our lives. We weren't going to let it change our routine. Um, I continue to, to go to work every day and, and uh, uh, it was just a, a calming kind of a, a very much a calming effect on me just knowing that God had it covered. People always say, you know, God's in control. People always say, I, I believe and trust in God that, you know, he's going to take care of me. And I, and I really wonder sometimes um, how much we really mean that when we say it. To actually have experienced that and felt that way that I really, truly, honestly trust in God 
uh, as far as directing my life and what's going to happen is an incredible feeling and it's, and it's an incredible, uh, gives you an, an ability to kind of look at things from a distance in, in some sort of way. Probably the hardest part of watching someone suffer from cancer is watching all the symptoms. They lose their hair, they get lesions on their skin, they lose weight, they get weak, they can't walk, their eyes sunk in their head because they get so skinny, they start throwing up, they can't get out of bed. All these symptoms just look like death, a slow, painful death. And it's so horrible to watch that. The same thing is true with spiritual cancer, sin, there are symptoms. And it's very important for us to understand what these symptoms are because all of us have it. And when we see it in someone else, we need to recognize it and recognize it for what it is. It also give us a bigger sense of compassion because we have the same symptoms. I wanna read them to you uh, because it's very important to understand when you see the symptoms of spiritual cancer, it'll give you uh, a sense of how you can treat someone. And the Bible says that we should bear one another's burdens. And so when I read this list to you, you're going to realize that you've experienced probably all of them on a daily basis. Let me read this to you. It's in Galatians chapter 5, uh, verse 19. It says, now, the, the works of the flesh are evident. Remember, your uh, spiritual cancer is when your flesh, your ego, your pride, your selfish desires want to do what they want to do, not what God wants you to do. It says, the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, sex outside of marriage, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery. Remember, these are all evidences of our desire to do what we want to do, not what God wants us to do. Hatred, contentions, jealousies. How many of you have been jealous before? That's a sign of your spiritual cancer. It's a spiritual illness, and it's terminal. Outbursts of wrath, people getting angry, going crazy. Selfish ambitions, it's all about me. How many of you know somebody where it's all about me? That is your selfish desire, thinking about self first above everybody else. That is a, that is a symptom of your spiritual cancer. Dissensions, heresies, envy. How many of us are envious of somebody else? Someone has something you don't, you don't have, something you want, and you get envious of them, and then you talk about them. Murders drunkenness. Many of us have been drunk before. Again, that is a sign of your spiritual cancer. Reveries and the like. And, and what's interesting about the Bible, it says, and the like. In other words, he can keep going on and on and on. If you think about it, what does your spiritual cancer cause you to do? What does your selfishness cause you to say? Your ego cause you to feel and think? All of that all of those things are symptoms of a spiritual disease called sin. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So though you may never met somebody with physical cancer, the disease, you certainly know people with a spiritual cancer, which is everybody you know, including you and me. And the question is, what do we do about it? If we're surrounded by a bunch of sick people and we are sick ourselves, how do we minister to those people, encourage those people? How do we treat spiritual cancer? In 2001, 
is when I was first diagnosed with multiple myeloma leukemia. And at that time, I was also pregnant with my daughter, Sydney, but I didn't know I had the leukemia. So from that point on, it's just been ongoing treatment from my two bone marrow transplants. Um, I've been in the hospital for about 60 days, and that was right after I had her. So it was devastating to find out that I had cancer and be a new mom. I was very sick at that time. Um, at that time, um, it wasn't sure if I was going to live or if I was going to die. But I always believed that God would heal me um, through this. And I used to get up every morning and I used to lay hands on myself and pray and speak in tongues because I had a tumor that was on my sternum and it would protrude out like a grapefruit. You could actually see it through my clothes. And I used to pray every day that God would heal me because that he's still to sit the same today as he was yesterday, that he still heals today. I always believed that. And as I went through the journey, um, one day I actually did wake up and the tumor was gone. And I remember speaking with my husband and I ran downstairs. I had been in the shower and I had told him that, do you think this is smaller because it seems smaller? And he said, you know, it really is smaller. And I said, well, let's call the oncologist because I know Jesus has healed me. And when I went into the doctor, he did tell me that um, the tumor was smaller and that I needed tests and I had the MRIs and the PET scans. And at that time, he said it looked as if um, I had been healed over like a scab, but that I still needed to get this intense treatment. So from that point, I had a decision to make. Either I could go into the hospital or not go into the hospital. And God was saying, you need to do this, but I'll be with you. And that's when I went into the hospital, I realized as I tried to put my life together, my team, my support for my girls, for homeschooling, for cooking, cleaning, errands, I realized there were no services in San Diego that helped um, moms or people that had cancer. And that's when Cancer Care was born. That's when I went into the hospital and I actually wrote in journals. It's like God gave it to me in one rush and I just wrote out all the programs. I wrote how they looked, who would be served, and then that's how Cancer Care was born. It is so important to deliver love and hope because we help people whether they believe in God or not. Um, the cancer is the vessel in which we reach the soul. So what we do is we go through this with loving them, meeting their basic needs. If they need a meal, we're going to feed them. If they need clothes, we're going to clothe them. They need to go to a support group and talk with like-minded people going through what they're going and experience and see hope in action. Then we're going to give that to them. We're going to meet those needs first. But in our minds, it's the love of God that we know that changes people. Not telling them in cancer that they're going to die or they're going to go to hell and they need to get right but it's about loving them um, through this journey. And when people are going through cancer or chronic illness, you know, their hearts tend to be either very hard or very soft. And we're hoping that we'll, we'll walk on fertile ground as far as the heart's concerned and that it's a good opportunity. I think it is the opportunity that God is giving us to walk closely. Sometimes the people we serve are, you know, we serve them before they die and they don't have anyone else telling them about God. You know, they're in the hospital. There's various other groups that come to the hospital. Um, some of them are not Christian people that are coming to tell them about what is gonna happen next. And we are in the hospital there to share the love of God with them. If they don't hear it any other time in their life, when cancer care comes, that's what they're gonna hear. So they're very open to what we have to say because we've fed them, we've clothed them, we've driven them to chemo you know, for the last year. So now they're open and people do, they go, you know, when you first came to me, I thought you guys were just gonna preach to me. And, and they'll say something like, so what do you guys do at The Rock? Or do you give rides to the services? And then I'm like, yeah. You know, then we've done what we set out to do. Yes, we give rides to the, to the rock. Most certainly if we give rides to chemo, we're gonna give you a ride to the rock.
I was talking to someone one day and they would tell me how offended they were because someone called them prideful. And I said, well, if you think about it, do you have pride? And they said, well, yeah. I said, do you have ego? They said, yeah. You know, if we realize that we have pride and we have ego, we should never get mad when someone agrees with us. So if someone calls you prideful, they're simply agreeing with what you already know about yourself. They're simply acknowledging that you too, like them, have spiritual cancer. You're a sinner. And the reason that's so important for us to understand is because when we see other people, we look through a filter that is flawed. Our own filter, our own perception of the world, our own perception of ourselves. And before we cast judgment on other people, we have to acknowledge that we're already seeing things faulty because of our own faults. The Bible says the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? We don't even know our own faults. We don't even know how our own perspective clouds our perspective of our life and other people. It's something we need to be very conscious of before we cast judgment on other people as they suffer from their spiritual cancer. About a month ago, we found out that the cancer had um, had dropped down from my throat down to one of my lungs. And so the situation we're in right now is that uh, we're waiting again to establish another treatment plan. Um, again, I don't, I'm not anxious about this. I'm not concerned about it. Do I have some bad days from time to time? You bet. But the majority of the time, it just takes me a little bit, kind of like a little bump in the road where I have to get, okay, come on, Tom. You know, it's not that bad. Every obstacle that we come across, everything that's thrown at us, every part of our life that's involves some kind of a crisis. We absolutely have to have recognized the fact that God knew we were going to be here, whether it's cancer or a broken arm or a divorce, whatever that might be. As long as we stay spiritually in contact with God, as long as we keep our spiritual part of our, of our, our minds focused on God and that His plan is the ultimate plan we can then deal with all of the other circumstances. Miles had mentioned on Sunday, about this past Sunday, about people that are involved in, in, in life-changing events, and it's hard for him to imagine people going through those experiences without having the faith in something, and faith in God primarily. As, as Christians, we want to have that faith and have that, have that resolve that we know that he's got it. And, um, and so, I'm trying to maintain that same kind of a, of a thought process, that, that God's got it, and that uh, uh, whatever happens, happens. I really just can't say it enough that we really, when we say we believe in God, when we say we believe in His plan, we, we, that we really mean it, and that we, and we, we just really do trust in, in what, he's, what His plan is for us, um, without any any qualifications uh, it's okay this plan's okay except or instead of or whatever no it's his plan and we're going to follow it through to the end i pretty much look at each anything that comes up i try to immediately talk to god i try to immediately go to him and say okay what's cooking what do we got going on here and you know i'm asking i'm i ask the same questions you know do we really need to do this you know, Jesus asked that same thing. He said, 
Father, is there any way I can get out of getting strung up on a cross? I also try to keep in mind that any pain or inconvenience that I have to go through is nothing compared to what Jesus went through. The pain and the suffering and the humiliation that he had to experience to die for us and, and, for it, and, to, and to suffer for us. My pain and my inconvenience is nothing compared to what he experienced. Treatment is, is hard because it, it um, I have to get a shot in my stomach once a week. And um, it makes you very, very tired and it makes you very fatigued. And I also have to take some medication that does the opposite of that. So it revs you up. It makes you so I can go two days without sleeping. So the, the combination of both of them just kind of makes you crazy. And I think the hardest part about it is being a mom and having an eight-year-old and having a 13-year-old who want my time, you know, they want my energy as it normally is. Um, they're going to be out of school and I'm always torn, you know, between really just wanting to lay in bed because I don't feel good and between trying to be the mom that I, I need to be for them. And sometimes, you know, I feel like I might have been short or, you know, anxious or something in front of them and it really bothers me, you know, that I just can't be myself, you know, with them. So that that is the hardest part. first time we got a dishwasher at our house, I thought my job was done. I could just eat, throw my dishes in the dishwasher, and it was done. But yet my mother kept telling us, you got to wash the food off the plate before you put it in the dishwasher, because the dishwasher can't handle all the big chunks of food. You know, a lot of times we view God that way. God says, I want you to come to me, all you who labor. And the Bible says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All you sinners come to me just the way you are. And sometimes we think we have to clean ourselves up before we come to God. God is the ultimate dishwasher, if you will. You just put yourself in there with all your junk, with all your sin, with all your pride, with all your ego, and He can take care of it. Not everyone will die of physical cancer, the disease, but everyone will die of spiritual cancer. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible says the penalty of sin is death. The penalty of our spiritual cancer is death, physical and spiritual. Because sin is a spiritual offense, our death is spiritual. And that spiritual death is eternal separation from God. The Bible calls it hell. So the Bible says that all of us have sinned. The penalty of sin is death, physical and spiritual death. That means that you and I are going to die. Everybody you know dies of spiritual cancer sin. And everybody you know who's not forgiven of their sin will also experience a spiritual death, separation from God. But the Bible says that Jesus Christ died for our sin. In other words, he paid the price for your spiritual cancer, your sin. He died on the cross and then he rose from the dead. And in rising from the dead, he proved he had power and authority over life itself. And he wants to offer you that life. He wants to offer you the only cure, the only way you can be cleansed of your spiritual cancer, salvation. You can't try harder. You can't take a medicine. You can't get educated and get more money to get rid of your spiritual cancer. Only God can forgive you and cleanse you through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So as you sit there right now listening, you, you are suffering from spiritual cancer and it will kill you. 
but it doesn't have to kill you eternally. God can forgive you of your sin and grant you eternal life. If you would just surrender your life to him and admit to him, yes, I have spiritual cancer, I'm a sinner, and admit to him that you know it's gonna kill you and separate you from God forever. And then admit to him that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died on the cross and rose from the dead for your sin, for your spiritual cancer. And he's offering you the only remedy, which is salvation by faith. So if you would like to receive salvation by faith, the only remedy to your spiritual cancer, I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want you to pray this prayer with me. I want you to listen very carefully because I'm going to lead you in a prayer of simply admitting those things to God and asking him to forgive you, admitting that he is your only hope. Christ in you is the hope of glory. There's no other name under heaven by where we may be saved. No other name, because there's no other name that died and rose from the dead for our sin. So if you believe you're a sinner, the Bible says all have sinned, and you believe that Jesus Christ died for your sin and rose from the dead, and you would like him to forgive you of your sin, grant you eternal life and give you an opportunity to have abundant life here on earth. I want you to pray this prayer with me in the privacy of your heart by faith. Pray, dear God, I know that I am a sinner, that I'm suffering from spiritual cancer. I know the penalty of my sin is death, physical and spiritual death. But I believe that Jesus Christ loves me that he died for my sin, and that he rose from the dead. Jesus, please forgive me of my sin. Come live in my heart and be my savior. I surrender my life to you. As our eyes are closed and our heads are bowed, in a minute I'm gonna ask you to stand up if you prayed that prayer. And when I ask you to stand up, you shouldn't have to worry about who's around you, who's who's looking at you, because everyone's heads are bowed and eyes are closed. But you're going to stand up and give confession that you are giving your life to Jesus Christ and that your cancer, your spiritual cancer has been forgiven. So on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to stand up, and then there's going to be people there who are going to pray with you. On the count of three, I'm going to ask you to stand up if you pray that prayer by faith. One, two, three. Stand to your feet. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Stay standing if you made that decision. If God's called you this morning and he's calling you towards him to make that change, to surrender your life, would you just go ahead and continue to stand? God bless you. I see you all over the room. God bless you. God bless you. In a minute, I'm going to ask those of you that, that made that decision that are standing to come forward. We want to celebrate your decision. And if you're standing in the balcony, we ask you... What